0: You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums Podcast, the home of Scottish Football Banter.
1: Hi, welcome to the latest episode of Scottish Football Forums Podcast, Season 10, Episode 55. I'm John, and tonight joined by Scott. How are hey. you?
0: I'm good, thank you. Yep. Uh,
1: just the two of us again. Everyone else is handing in sick notes and all sorts and avoiding us or something like that. Well, it's Don't know if we ne-
0: or something like that, maybe. It's nearly Valentine's the Day, so it's probably appropriate. It's just the two of us. Just the two. How are you? How are you
1: romantic? How are you loving?
0: <laughs> you um, loving.
1: So, yes. So, we've been doing a few themes recently um, and they've been going pretty well. We've had good interaction. Um, so, we've decided to keep the themes and not bother talking about the the stuff that's happening in the pit so much, which I'm quite glad about, seeing as Aberdeen are absolutely rank rotten just now. So it's timed in quite well, actually. I think maybe since we started doing the themes, maybe that's when Aberdeen have started being poor. Um, So maybe I should stop doing the themes so that Aberdeen become good again. But on the note of us being poor just now, uh, the theme this week is management, which is interesting because of all the speculation there's been with uh, Derek McInnes, when we've had obviously Neil Lennon this season, speculation, there's been a few managers lost their jobs in the top flight, the more leagues as well, and then we've got a new manager uh, at Kilmarnock, who is an old manager that we know well. He um, told me, right? So, we are going to try and come up with what we reckon is the best five managers over the last 40 years or so, give or take. Um, Scott is a bit younger than me, um, so his inclusions might be a bit different to some of the, the listeners. Um and what they've contributed anyway. So in terms of starting, we've got plenty of interaction from listeners. Um, one of them, an old uh, friend of the podcast was on earlier on the season, uh, Robert Love. He is a comedic fan, um, but if we're going for recent times, he has mentioned obviously Steve Clark and what he did at Komarik. Um Decent shout if it was maybe just the last few years. But I think if we were looking at the last 30 years or so, I don't think he would, he would figure in a top
0: five. No, I think, I, th- I think if we're talking the last five years, he um, would definitely be in, in the top five for that, From in my opinion. The job he did at look, and then even if we open the scope up a wee bit, the national team with Scotland uh, as well, getting us into the Euros, I think, is you know almost statehood uh, territory. But you know, if <clears throat> I'm going on my generation, which is from 1990 onwards, and there's a few that I put ahead of him uh, on that. But he's the way he organised his team, the way the commander players played for him, and I think that's evident after, after the event and how they played for other managers. Uh, he seems to always get the best out of his players, and he, he worked with some of the top class managers in the Premier League down south and, you know, that clearly showed and it showed if you have a bit of ambition and a bit of luck, uh, luring a manager like that, that a team like Malik can climb the table quite significantly.
1: Aye, I think the thing as well is when you consider the score he inherited, he never exactly made massive changes in terms of the personnel, but he got a team that was performing like down ninth, 10th in the league and we're finishing third in the league, ahead of Aberdeen with McInnes, doing great things, didn't exactly have much of a budget to go on. Um, as you say, everyone knew their role. It, it maybe wasn't the most entertaining football at times, but it got results, um, and it got a, a passion back for Kilmarnock, I think, as well in the community. They'd been lost somewhere along around, around the
0: way. Yeah, I think he was a manager who respected um, the elder players within the squad. You know, your Chris Boyd, Kirk Broadfoot. Uh, one of the significant signings he did bring was Mulumbo. Uh, I thought he was a, a fantastic kind of midfielder for, for Kamarnock in that, that time as well. But as you say, he, he worked with what he kind of had in the on the most part. And that, that again probably stands out um, in terms of how good he was at in that job. Yeah, it's
1: interesting as well, because I think as well, aside from the Kamarnock stuff, we're obviously talking about the after team. When he was appointed, I think it was a popular appointment. But there was times you thought early on, is it going to work out? Because I think Clark's qualities are in the day to day and working with players and managing to get the best out of them. And you thought maybe if he's just getting players now and again every kind of month or so or every few months or whatever it is, depending on the gap between fixtures, would it work so well? Early on, the signs didn't look particularly good, but we were playing maybe some of the better teams. Uh, which had an impact, but then you fast forward well, what a difference of a year in terms of was looking like we more we no hope possibly qualified and the
0: tremendous scenes that we had. um Serbia. Well, the the thing is uh, when it comes to the Scotland thing, what you have to look at is how low we got under Alex McLeish the second time around, and the other thing, as you pointed out, is. Working day to day with players is essential, I think, to Steve Clark's kind of management style or coaching style. And you have to bed in a formation. You have to get the players that you want, you know, to to play, which isn't always um, easy in the international stage with call-offs and things like that. So I think once he started getting a few results, momentum was key, and people could then players could trust. Manager, manager could trust the players. I think that's a a big thing for for both parties to to be able to trust each other. And there was an organization, and he didn't, even with a couple of upset maybe not upsets, but a couple of bad results. And you know, people criticized his formations, he didn't change his tact. He kind of had an idea that that was how he was going to play. And I think that actually served him well rather than maybe kind of listening to public opinion people like myself that were criticising Scott McTominay at the back and things like that. He he kind of, he had a a longer term plan that that worked. And, you know, I I have to say a lot of credit um, for Scotland's success has to fall down to his door. Um, It's not perfect, but it's a lot better than what it was. And as as I said, great man. I'd say more head coach. I think that's probably more um, Steve Clark's kind of, uh, certainly with what he did at Kilmarnock and at Scotland uh, but you're terrific uh, on both accounts but I, again if you if you open up the, the kind of decades then he, he just misses out in, in that kind of field in my opinion
1: Yeah going forward like after he's, he's won the Euros with uh, Scotland we'll be calling him number one manager but he's not in the top five just now but yeah in terms of recent times he's Terrific manager. And possibly actually the pandemic has helped him in a way because we ended up in a situation whereby Scotland were playing so many internationals in quick succession and we managed to get into a bit of, of them. Um So I think that has probably helped. Um, someone else that could be spoken about um, in recent times is the Barrett's come in at and has a, a job to do in terms of trying to repeat what Clark did, um, Tommy Wright. I, I think when you consider it's not just maybe about winning trophies about what they do and create a legacy. Um, he's definitely St John's best manager, won the Scottish Cup uh, if I want to their history. Um, reached a semi-final that season as well. Um, got to be remembered. Um, top four finishes back by three in a row, qualifying for Europe. It was almost as if it was expected that St John's would finish top six, um, which was rare um previously to right coming in.
0: I think so, Tommy Ray, uh, will be as a, a, a solid and a fairly ambitious appointment for Kilmarnock. Um I think he's been linked to quite a few jobs uh, after he left St. Johnstone, and right, rightly so. I think it's just a, the Scottish Cup win and everything else um, gives him hero status in Perth. Uh, and I think he's a, a he's a manager who, like Steve Clark, will get things done in an organised fashion. I think he'll make them hard to beat and he knows the league very well. It's probably, unfortunately for him, he's not a kind of big name for a lot of fans. I don't think he creates um, a lot of enthusiasm, but I think the same could have been said about Steve Clark. apart from probably CV was a, a bit uh, more star-studied because he'd worked down south. But I think, I think, again, I think Tommy Wright's got a lot of good points that will prove to be good for Kamarnak and essentially keep them up I think this season Aye,
1: it's definitely a good appointment, he, as you say, he's not a fashionable manager any sense of the word but it, probably like Clark, similar personality, similar era, he doesn't take any shit, I don't think from the board and stuff like that, he, it's very much this is how we're going to do things and go with it um, and he yeah, he's got a proven record. But this is some George, I think he was linked to other jobs even when he was doing well. And other clubs were like, dismissive of him. They were like, nah, we don't fancy him. Um, I was still surprised that Northern Ireland never went for him. They went for Barricklough. It seemed a bizarre one. Um, whether they might regret that in the long term, I don't know. Or maybe it's just the thought that Tommy Wright wasn't suited maybe to the, the international side whereby you are only dealing with players now and again.
0: You you wonder um, how the interview process goes for a couple of jobs that he went for and didn't get. If he's maybe just not that great um, at giving an interview, or people are a bit wary of how he interacted, especially towards the end with the St. Johnston board. But I don't. I think people sometimes look at um, a manager as being kind of. You know, I would if if I owned a football club, I would like a manager who questioned my decisions and who actually was ambitious. It's not to say that I would always bow down to the to their um, to, to to their demands, but you know I don't see it as, as being as a bad a problem as certain man, uh, certain boards seem to. Um, but yeah, as you say, it's just it's just maybe not that that fashionable. I did think. Previously, to even the Motherwell in the Northern Ireland stuff, I, I thought Hearts may have been a good shout for him. And there was a time where Rangers, it, it could have been a, a decent appointment for Rangers uh, had they not gone for Gerard.
1: Yeah, because even as well, you seem like managers up here getting linked with down, jobs down south, and you thought, how are these guys getting linked when well, you consider what they've done? Whereas, as we say, he totally right had a tremendous record at George and just wasn't getting linked with jobs but he's back in now. Come on, he's had a rebreak break as well, which is like, maybe help, you uh, know, kind of revitalise a little kind of bit of passion as well. I think he was, I read an interview, or wasn't an interview earlier, and he was saying about how he wanted to go and learn off different coaches around Europe, but obviously COVID put paid to that. I would still say he's been studying in a lot different ways. So, yeah, I think he'll be a good appointment for uh, Komarik, and I think he'll, he'll be very much, I think he'll go for a, a template, a lot Clark did at Komarik, and just do the same. And so... Uh, yeah, I, would, I would think they should be safe now. I would expect. I think they will get a manager, a new manager bounce, and then, I, uh, they'll be safe. But then going forward, he will want to build maybe a little bit of a, I don't know, not a legacy, but he'll want to do something maybe long term. Do I think his contract's only right till was it twenty twenty three? I think, into twenty twenty three. I think I've seen it.
0: a contract's not worth the paper that it's written on, we know that from previous incumbents in the the commandant hot seat alone. Uh, So I wouldn't read too much into whether it's a short-term or long-term contract uh, because that could always be extended or terminated at any real point. So I I think, as you say, I think it's all about survival this season, getting things right. Uh, I think you'll trust the players like Clark did before that um, and then look at it in the summer I don't even expect wholesale changes uh, in in the summer. If the if the players uh, reach their potential, then yeah. I think he would keep it relatively straightforward in the summer as well. Yeah,
1: I think in Arden as well. It's important is towards the end of his time at St. Johnson, he was starting to bring through some of the younger players as well, and maybe never get credit for that. Um, like what other managers would have got? So that's something he might want to. You know, we'll probably have to do it, come on! I think most teams in eh, that season will have to rely a lot more on youth. So
0: I think, I think a lot of that could be that. Good that way as well. I think a lot of that is down to boards that you're working with. I think St Johnston taking the sh- the sh- ship um, or taking the belt until financial, financially, financially. Financial- financial- it- but any good manager um, works knows what they're coming into and works up to the board. There's no point going into any football club and then not doing what the board kind of expects and wants from you. Um, if it changes from discussions that you've had, then I can understand that being an issue. But you should know from the outset if a team wants to promote within in terms of youngsters or you know maybe build from the back, get some key players in to help the defence. These things should all be sorted out. And it should be that a manager should always be flexible enough to work with the board as well as the players and protecting the players.
1: Yeah. Again, he's someone that if we were talking about the last 10 years, he would be a contender for possibly been in the top five. Uh, but if we're going back further, he's never been in the top five. Someone that is more recent that could be a contender, um, depending on how you look at it, Brendan Rodgers, in terms of what he did at Celtic, people will maybe say yeah. the competition wasn't there. Like you can only beat the teams up
0: in front yeah. Yeah, and he, he, there are certain tradebacks that Celtic expect. Um, winning is one of them, but winning the style is a big one for special Celtic fans. Uh, and he did that. The invincible year was absolutely phenomenal. One of the best kind of, Achievements in my generation that I've seen from any football team in Scotland uh, to win you know umpteen trebles well, not umpteen but quite a few trebles in a row like that it was again something that was unique uh, build, you know building a squad of um, not unknown players but young players that were coming through and making them better Kian Tierney Miss Busadin Belly, odson Edwards, and all these players, uh, Cal McGregor kinda of came to the front the four um, when he wasn't scared to kind of go with those kind of players and build around build his team around those um, players. And you know, on their day they were always sensational and more often than not they were on their day. So people will argue about competition and things like that, but you can only beat what's in front of you and it's unique to beat everybody all the time in front of you, and I would have him in my top five. I know yeah, Celtic I mean, fans wouldn't even have him in the top five just because of how he left, but, you know, look at the job he's done at Leicester since then, and that kind of, for me, vindicates why he did leave at the time, because he's made Leicester better in the long term. I always thought Leicester was a perfect fit. I know Celtic fans obviously would argue they would have liked him to stay,
1: which is understandable. understand. You'd want to keep a good manager, and. Um, and Rodgers is a fantastic manager. Just the style of playing, I think, again, management in terms of the way he managed players. Scott Brown probably, I think, when Rodgers first came in, people were already saying about, is he maybe on the way out? Is it time for him to stop? Rodgers kind of recognise he was getting on a wee bit, adapted training plans, maybe gave Brown a bit more time in terms of having days off and different things like that and managing training schedules. And he saw the rewards because Brown, under Rodgers, I think, added more to his game. He, he became almost unstoppable in midfield anyway. Just couldn't nail him.
0: Well, I think that's another tradition that he, he held up. A Celtic tradition that Rogers held up and he understood was that you gave your loyal players a, a chance to continue to shine. And... Um, Scott Brown, as you say, more than did that. And I think Scott Brown appreciated working under such a professional manager who kind of totally changed the outlook of the club um, and really serial, a serial winner like himself. And that, that just, you know, the, the combination it was just made in heaven uh, for Celtic at that time. He, he treated the job, I think he treated the job as that it was the perfect job at that time and not a stepping stone. I think people may have thought that that, but I don't think it was. I think that's how they produced as many victories and as many the trophies as they did because the It was all about winning, winning,
1: Aye, well, absolutely. Um, and they get compared probably as well to like the invincible team Arsenal had, but the difference is Arsenal didn't go invincible in the cup competitions as well. They were invincible completely. Um, and, and and then they, then the only.
0: The only, the only issue I think that I would point to Brendan Rodgers at Celtic was the European record. That's the only kind of feeling that he had. Um, and he was just too stubborn in that sense with his tactics. Um, and I think, personally, I think a manager should always be able to produce a plan B or a plan C um, and change things up. I don't... I don't see a, a great deal of benefit losing six or seven one to your kind of PSGs in Barcelona's. Um in the long run, I think you have to kind of be a bit more acute and a bit more aware of your, of your standing in Europe. I think it takes a wee bit of a, a dent if you're losing those kind of results. He did do well in his two draws with Man City, but that was the kind of only crumb of comfort for Celtic fans in Europe at that stage. And, you know, they they may be um, willing. You know, a lot of them would have been willing to forgive that at the time for the, the sensational domestic runs that they were on. Aye, I mean, I think if Rogers
1: was still there, I don't think there's any doubt he okay, would have achieved ten in I think they would have been well out of sight. But the fact that he left and then the management ch- changed, not just the fact that the management changed, but see the power that Rogers had to bring players in. Yeah. If you were capable. Working- Bailey, which you spoke about earlier. See if that had been a different Celtic manager. I don't think Dembele would have come. Um, there was other big clubs in for him, but Rodgers obviously talked a good game as well. He might have persuaded him to come in, which was massive for him.
0: I think the biggest dynamic that seemed to change, again, was the manage- was between the manager and the, the hierarchy of the club. And I think that's what caused Rodgers to kind of reevaluate things. I think they've been... Certain transfers and certain things that happened um, for the last two transfer windows of his time at Celtic, which seemed to suggest that he wasn't on the, the same ambitious. Um, his ambitions weren't being met probably by the board. Um, and sometimes you know, it, 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 it's not the first time the Celtic board have shot themselves in the foot. I think that occasion. I think that made it slightly easier in his mind to leave when he did because I think there was a couple of things that happened that he did not totally agree with. Um like the sale of the belly Yeah. I could I can understand that if you know the belly seems to say that Rogers kind of agreed to that as being and I can see again that as well. But you need to do it quickly, you need to do it decisively, you need to then probably replace him with somebody else or give him money to or give him some, give Roger somebody that he could then be making the team around. Whether it was a, a straight replacement or the already had Edward, but then maybe a creative force and a number ten or, or a ball-winning midfield or something that then changes the team up and gives them something to excite them. And I don't think that's what happened in the last kind of year itself. I don't think they ever really gave them an exciting transfer window to keep them motivated. Yeah, definitely. Um so we reckon
1: he, he's definitely a contender for being in the top five. Yeah. Of the last whatever 30, five to forty years. So Brennan Rodgers is the first one that we, we reckon could be in there. Um other guys that have been spoken about by listeners, so Dave McGee, um he mentioned someone that came up through the lower leagues um and the job he did the Gretna Ron Alexander.
0: The did only a good thing, job,
1: but obviously Greta were bat pretty heavily. Not that that always guarantees success uh, coming at likes, but uh, did get to a good final, mind you. can as well.
0: The, the only thing that kind of um, would put me on a, a, a wee bit on the back foot with Roan Alexander, and it's probably, not, you know, possibly nothing to do with him. It's more what happened afterwards. Um, you know, kind of how he left and Nothing really seemed to materialise too much in, in afterwards in terms of any returns to the kind of top leagues of uh, Scottish football. So, yeah, a, a great achievement to an extent, but when you're backed and you can bring in, um, you know, players that are t- probably two leagues higher up than what you're playing in, that always makes it easier to, to win a league, I would suggest.
1: Yeah, and as you say, I think that he ended well. Did he not end up here? He lost his job, but he was still turning up for it and stuff like that. He still got it was to,
0: Garden uh, he's leave and all sorts. Yeah, it was, and stuff. yeah uh, it was all very kind of messy at the end. But uh,
1: so I good achievement coming up the league spot. Um, yeah, he's always no, nowhere featured. Um, but that uh, another manager though that's involved in more leagues still about just now. It could be a shout. Um, I was actually surprised he wasn't mentioned by any other anyone. Dick Campbell, for what he's achieved in the I
0: think Dick uh, Campbell kind of remains with of one of my choices that I had, um, and it's it's kind of found his groove um, with our broth and. He can't argue against his record, uh, keeping him in that league. Get, you know, he's o- he's overachieving. He seems to know the players that play in the lower leagues like the back of his hand, and he can get results from players who probably wouldn't get results elsewhere. Um, so, a hundred percent. I think it, it is another another manager that deserves a mention. Um, again, maybe. What goes against that Campbell is he'd never really done anything in the top flight, and that's probably, again, kind of works against. I don't mind somebody who's came through the, the leagues and then settled in the kind of top flight, but to to not really get there, it's still an achievement, don't get me wrong, but I always get to think, well, why did it not happen elsewhere or higher up? Yeah, I think
1: he feels a bit aggrieved already. He's never been given a chance in the top flight what he's done but again maybe just he's someone that's not fashionable to top light like clubs um, I'm not just talking about stress sense I'm talking about as a, a manager himself he's maybe very much old school um, in the way that he approaches things however you never ever hear any players talk badly of him um, so maybe can kind of say a lot about his management style, good manager he uh, yeah. knows when to have a laugh I think but take things seriously at the same time
0: I can imagine he's very loyal and you don't want to have a go at a, or, or even criticise a manager who could sign you up again at any point. Um, you seems any interviewer that I've ever seen him Given, that really top-class guy. But as I say, it's just that kind of um, CV um, that's just... I know he wasn't particularly well liked at Partick Thistle and certain things, he just couldn't really get that job and stuff going, so it's it's kind of these wee kind of chinks in the armour, I think. Yes,
1: now it's interesting that you mentioned Partick Thistle because the guy that you have uh, mentioned yep. is going to be in your top five, which you said to me off air, John Lambie.
0: That's who it reminded me, Dick Campbell reminded me of, uh, of because it's a kind of similar kind of elk um, which is funny how he, he never was the success and probably more expected at part of this. So uh, that Cabalette Cab- is not John Lambie, who was a fantastic success because he got three promotions in total, um, managed the club at four different times, three specifically. Um, and you know, once he got them back into the top flight twice, they stayed there as well. Uh, it was only once he left that things kind of seemed to. To go wrong, Um have you know. I, I remember his politics. I saw him in the kind of early to mid nineties, uh, which could kind have of shows how much of a a mark that they left. That, you know, he had their, he would pick up players who didn't really make it bigger clubs. Jerry Britton, for example. Um, you know, you had your Billy Dodds at one point, uh, Albert Craig, George Shaw, um, and. It's just that kind of, to get them into the league in the first place and then to keep them there. And As we know with Barthek Thistle, that's not always easy. Um, then there's obviously the kind of his man-management style, getting the best out of players like Chick Charnley, um, telling injured players that they were... Uh, Pelly, and just to get back up and onto the pitch, <laughs> you know, and keeping his pigeons, and you know the documentary where he swears every two seconds, you know, just he's that kind of old school Scottish football manager that kind of just stuck in my brain for as long as I can remember.
1: I probably a proper character of the game, um, which I don't think you get so much now. Um, right Rightly, I'll go on with um, in the games, calm down a bit in terms of off the pitch. So it was just would still be a successful now?
0: Yeah. Um, would, it would have to be if he was able to adapt and I can imagine if you're able to get the best out of players who um, maybe didn't make it in other clubs then it would kind of work to to degree um, nowadays uh, I think sometimes people look at tactics and things like that and I think they put too much emphasis on tactics uh, I think it's more about managers or Coaches probably more these days. Actually, how they get the best out of the players is through relationships with the players and putting your ideas across in a simple manner and being organised. I don't think you know you can say it. people will go on about you know play this formation, play that formation, and all the rest of it. But it's about getting the right players in the right positions and then just you know getting the best out of those players. In my opinion, and I think John Lambie, that and consistently did that uh, with Partick Thistle to a, a, an overachieving um, way. I remember in his kind of his third spell, I think he got to the semi-finals, uh, got them back into the top flight, and got them into the semi-finals of the Scottish Cup, in um, they lost three nil to Rangers. So he always seemed to get just that wee bit more out of them. Yeah, he even managed as well when they was eighty
1: seven, they beat the Angels, a big shock.
0: Yeah, the Houghton, got promotion with Houghton as well. Uh, So uh, just, you know, because, you know, being born in 84, being a wee slightly bit younger, I've not went with the kind of Sir Alex Ferguson's because I only know Sir Alex Ferguson at Manchester United uh, or the Jim McLeans. I know all all about their successes and I would definitely put them in all-time top five Scottish managers uh, domestically. But if it's just my generation, I can't do that, because um, even my generation, I, 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 I really remember Jim McLean, uh, being at Dundee United and being that kind of iron fist. I remember the eight eight-year contracts. People like Gary Bolton and Alec Cleland had the same as youngsters. And, and you know, to to be honest, you know they kind of wanted Jim McLean out the door, and they finished fourth in his, his last season in the league. I don't think they ever really had a bad league finish under Jim McLean and you know you look at Dundee United since his departure uh, and they've never been quite as successful Oh definitely not I mean even though I'm a bit older than yourself the likes
1: of McLean and Ferguson it's only like the end of their careers that uh, Aberdeen and Dundee United I would recall even actually with Ferguson it's only like to um probably about it's last scene or last game even um, so a definitely future if we're talking the last forty years obviously Ferguson is going to be probably most people's number one choice for what he achieved. Um, it's something if you were to say to folk now they just they just wouldn't believe that a provincial team or even though a city team they are still regarded as it um could have the success they had in Europe um, to win the league three times the Scottish Cup um, not just back to back but when it three times in succession as well. Um, just a tremendous guy and then even when he went on to achieve it manually he as well uh, after a difficult time um, See, I think, is, I think, think, the, only I think thing, the only thing it'll be is that he never obviously got to manage the Scotland team for longer um, I, I think, think the biggest missed opportunity.
0: I think the biggest compliment you can place around as is is you can't think of many managers who had two kind of long jobs like I know Aberdeen wasn't quite as long as uh, Manchester United, but it's still a you know, long period of time and to be hugely successful at both clubs uh, the way he was. And he kind of did control everything top to bottom and it was all kind of built in his image. Uh, to, to be as, as successful as he was at Aberdeen and then show that it was no fluke and do the exact same thing at Manchester United to an even greater extent, um, shows you just how fantastic a football manager he was I would have loved to have seen at some point taking the Scotland job on on a kind of more full time basis than just the one World Cup um, but I can also see from his point of view why that wouldn't be um, appealing when you're, you're you're given so much control at Manchester United um, and you know, there's no doubt about it. You see any kind of clips on him. You, you, you hear him getting um, interviewed. He's still very Scottish. He's very proud of his kind of Scottish heritage and coming from the the Govan shipyards and stuff. So, um, yeah. So it, it, whether you you do it in the last forty years or you do it in whole history with the Scottish game, Sir Alex Ferguson, I would imagine, gets into top five territory for everybody. Oh, I definitely, and it's just, I think as well, because
1: of the time, he, the amount of time he managed, the length of time, he managed to adapt. That's the thing. He managed to adapt throughout different formations, and he was maybe, at times, people were like, oh, why are you doing that? Why are you doing this? And He couldn't argue with his record. It, it was tremendous. He's lucky, though, that he managed in the era that he did, because if he had been a new manager nowadays, um, he wouldn't have given the time to be as successful as what he was. He'd have been out the
0: door, Um Early on, probably. Um, probably, but I think he'd still have been a successful manager um, in this period, maybe not um, at Manchester United specifically, and that's because he can adapt. He knows how to treat players, he knows how to treat people. Um, I think sometimes people forget that um, footballers are humans like the rest of us, and I think he would be somebody who would be interested in the player's family. You know, there's always that talk of how he wanted footballers to settle down and get married and not worry about things off the park and things like that. So I think that sort of thing. Listen, just look at how Cristiano Ronaldo, world's best player, certainly up there with Lionel Messi, talk about how Sir Alex Ferguson kind of shaped him as a footballer. Um, Also, he was helped out by one of my other kind of suggestions, and Walter Smith, but it's predominantly Sir Alex Ferguson was a father figure uh, to to Cristiano Ronaldo.
1: Yeah, I know Walter Smith's another one that you've got in your list. I think again, he's someone that pretty much everyone that um, nominated the top five had in. I don't think actually anyone never had Walter Smith. Um, can't argue with his record. Maybe at the time initially when he was manager, probably the first time. He was maybe in a way underappreciated outside of Rangers, I think it would be fair to say.
0: Yeah, I think again, you, you kind of look at it and say um, it's easy to win when you've got the most money, and it, it certainly is easier. But I think when you look at the squad that they had, um, and the, the kind of that basically it was a family that he built, he put together um, essentially at Rangers, that squad was like family. Um, and I think, you know, looking back now, it's that nine-in-a-row team is what, still one of the best teams that I've seen in Scottish football. It we'd still give, you know, the Martin O'Neill team or the Brendan Rodgers team or the Stephen Gerrard team a run for their money quite easily. Um, I think people forget how good Ali McCoy was, how good Richard Goff was. You know, I'm not even talking about Paul Gascoigne's and Brian Lutrips, I'm talking about your Scottish players, your Andy Gorham's and things like that. Um, he managed Rangers when it still was predominantly Scottish players that he had to call upon with the you know three foot on the rule Um when he got to the, the Champions League it would have been the, the, the three
1: foreigners we were, were still winning wouldn't
0: it? yeah the first Champions you know, League yeah, first Champions League year it was um, and so you had Mark Yetley counted as a foreigner Um so to get to how good they got to in that Champions League and let's face it, they were robbed um, from Olympic Marseille. There's no doubt in my mind that Olympic Marseille gave the mink coats to the CSKA Moscow delegation and things like that. Uh, And even then, Marseille won the tournament but never beat Rangers. Um, Whether or not Rangers would have beaten that AC Milan side, I don't know. They did look a spent force, Marco van Basten, that was his last game and stuff. But, whether or not Rangers would have beaten them in the final, I don't know. But they probably deserved to get that opportunity more than Marseille did, considering Marseille, you know, bought the, the French league, um, which I can say because that is, you know, they were convicted of that at least that crime. Um, so uh, and then you look at Wat and he came back and did it again. I think that's a, a significant um, milestone. That he proved himself... I think it, his job down south was the wrong job at the... Possibly the right job at the wrong time, I don't think. Mm-hmm. That was a, an easy job for anybody. Uh, I think he was promised a lot more than what he got in terms of money and control at Everton. Uh, then, kind of, as I say, Sir Alex Ferguson respected him enough to bring him in as a number two, and it was him that suggested to the players... You've got to kick Ronaldo at training. You can't stand off him. You've got to kind of assert your will onto him just to make him tougher. And I think that is part of the, you know, the tiny part, but it's partly the reason why he's one of the world's best players. They got used to that kind of mentality and training. Uh, Scotland, I would have liked to have seen him see through the Scotland job initially um, because I think Scotland probably would have got to have finals before now under Walter Smith. I think the results... We're going in that kind of direction. Um, But then to to get Rangers back to winning league titles and then into the UEFA Cup final, um, and playing a way that I know a lot of people would say is anti-football, but that's, again, we were talking about Brendan Rodgers and Celtic traditions, and, you know, the same thing goes for Alex Ferguson. I think that's a lot to do with it, is understanding a club's tradition. Um, Sir Alex Ferguson knew you had to attack quickly at Manchester United. You had to, you know, you had to do it. You know, attack, 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 power and pace when you're doing it. And I think for Walter Smith, it was at Rangers, you've got to win every game as much. You, you've got to try and get something out of the game. Um, if it's Barcelona with Messi or Ronaldinho, then close the get a point, that's fine, and they might not have done it in a kind of take attack away or a, a fashionable way, but they got to the UEFA Cup final um, by hook or by crook, and it was just one game too too many for them, so Walter Smith, I think, you know, the amount of trophies he won in his two spells at Rangers was just kind of unbelievable.
1: Do you think in a way he'll be appreciated more for what he did second time round than what he did first time round?
0: Yeah, because it was more competition from Celtic. Um I, I think I think sometimes people are kinda underestimate um the pressure that Aberdeen gave the first time around, especially in the early the early years of the nine row. I think that sometimes goes um people say it without thought because people think that uh, Scottish football starts and ends with the old firm. But I think the second time for Walter Smith there was more of a, a threat. Um in terms of, I think, even though Aberdeen fought tooth and nail a couple of seasons with Rangers, Rangers were still the favourites. Sometimes it, with Celtic, um, that second time around Celtic were probably favourites initially, um, and he had to mop up. The other thing is, the first time he walked in and Graham Sounis was already winning things, it was easier just to carry on. I think the second time he had to mop up the Paul Le Guin fiasco and. I I think that's underappreciated considering the kind of rubbish signings and stuff that Paul O'Gwen had done.
1: Yeah. It's interesting, no one actually mentioned Graham Shunis as being a contender.
0: I didn't think of what until just as we started the the podcast. Um, And I think that's because, again, he left probably before his peak, uh, or before Rangers' peak, sorry. Yeah,
1: because I was talking with my mates, it's the Rangers fan, we were kind of discussing things, and he was saying, "Ah, it's maybe because, well, the English clubs weren't in Europe, so he managed to get these players, but would another manager, a bit like Rodgers when I'm talking about the players, he managed to bring in a Take at the time, would another manager, definitely as soon as he managed to bring in the likes of, your butchers, your woods, your... No,
0: he, he brought in...
1: Gary's, you know that way? He brought in. He had that reputation in. down south that
0: allowed those players to come here. See that's how um, so he you, set you the
1: hit, ball rolling, didn't they?
0: You've hit the nail on the head. He, they would not have signed for Wattlesmith at that time. At Wattles, but that being Wattlesmith's first job, they would have signed because it was Grealmsunus. If Celtic, if Celtic had a wee bit more money, then and maybe they would have maybe signed for Liam Brady, but nobody else I can think of. Um, and this is definitely not with McCallie. No, certainly not. and It's the same, you know, when I look at the kind of uh, Aberdeen managers, the steps, you know, it, it's the reputation of Graham Soonis who won everything at Liverpool. And uh, that is what I think they signed for more. And a bit like, you know, you see the English players just now signing for Rangers. It's Steven Gerrard, the, the kind yeah. of hold their hat on. They wouldn't, uh, they wouldn't, they wouldn't have done it at
1: all. No one at all quoted him. As soon as switch on supply, I'm surprised that even Rangers fans don't to
0: mention him. I think you know, for we'll probably round off the Rangers chat uh, with Dick Advocate, who had also kind of suggested. And I think if you look at the three of them, that's you know, as is as the one I would put in third, and it's a shame, and maybe it's because again, uh, he I only saw the very briefest time with, with Soonis. Um because I could probably now argue that he did just the exact same kind of job the Advocat did, although the the benefit I think for Advocat was so Advoc- for, for me, Advocat also changed Scotch football in terms of the calibre of play that came in. So when Advocat took over, they then signed Van Bronckhorst, they signed Arthur Newman, Andre Kanchelskis um these were all kind of top, kind of level known european players. And I think that brought a bit more um, eyes to the, the Scottish game product. I think Rangers were, until now under Gerard Advocate was probably more consistent in Europe than any other manager, um, include Walter Smith. I think Walter Smith had two really good European seasons, but after that, you know, it's kind of iffy. Our Advocate was a bit more adventurous and tactically aware for European football and I think what Advocat did was he laid the gauntlet down for Celtic which then brought in another fantastic manager in Martin O'Neill who then brought in another terrific amount of good players to Scottish football for Celtic so I, I think um, that's why I picked Advocat is because of the calibre of player that he managed to bring to the to the country. He basically did not have an open checkbook to bring it in players.
1: I think um, that was a big thing for him. And I
0: think the, the big, big difference.
1: For... Flo, that was the big one. Torrey Andrew Flo coming in for 12, 13 million was. I, was I,
0: uh, think... I, mean,
1: I think he was a good striker, but it was like double what anyone else was spending
0: um, across the road. And I think I think, that, that is the, the difference for me between Advocate and Tsouris was that Celtic. Took that as the gauntlet, lay and then went out and bought brought in a, a great manager in Martin Neil and gave him not an open checkbook but a substantial checkbook. And he then brought in players like your Alan Thompson's, your Chris Sutton's, um, awesome. Johan Melby's. Well, Larson was already there with Wim Jansen, no Horton. Uh, Horton. Oh, Hartson, sorry, uh, yeah, Hartson. Um, so it was a kind of almost a battle between European players and British players uh, and you know that's probably one of the most exciting times to be a Scottish football fan I think in terms of, if 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 you like um, league title run-ins um, was that kind of era, but Alex McLeish added on to that at the back, I think Alex McLeish maybe gets a, a bit of a, run, a raw deal because of how it ended up at Rangers Um it was maybe a sign if you're angels or Celtic fan, but for anyone else it was definitely not. It's yeah. But, but yeah, even even I, I would imagine even as a, a neutral or another club supporter, it's better to have them fighting at the top than just one team running away with it. I think most folk that
1: when they care, really, to, to be <laughs> honest, if they're not Fair fans enough. of Rangers or Celtic. Um, to be honest you're actually the only person I mentioned Advocate. there was there was mentions from McLeish by a few folk um, so Good John for example mentioned McLeish um, there's a couple of others Grant from Campbell's Football Podcast and there's someone else I can't remember who else mentioned him I think maybe McLeish will be was maybe quoted because he was operating at a certainly a lower level in terms of budget he didn't have much
0: yeah, I, I, to be yeah, fair, McLeish, like... McLeish also did a good job at Motherwell and then Hibs, so it's not, it's and not surprising. It? And uh, well, yeah, first time around, uh, and then you know he, he won a trophy down south. Um, I just saw a kind of more limitations by Alex McLeish in some ways, um, but he's you know it, it's, he got second or third with Motherwell. Um, in his kind of first season as player manager there, and then he did well playing Borussia Dortmund in the the, the UEFA Cup. Um, Hibbs, a uh, great great team, uh, Russell Latapy and Frank Soze, um there. So yeah, you know I, I can see, you know, and he then had to rules were reversed with Rangers and Celtic by that point with him coming at Rangers when they had probably less money to spend than Celtic and to get a treble. Uh, so I can definitely see um, why people would say McLeish. And probably I'd maybe actually say that I would maybe agree with that, thinking on his full um, history in Scottish football with what he did at Motherwell and Hibs as well.
1: Uh, we mentioned when we were talking about Avicat, Martin O'Neill. Martin O'Neill basically transformed Celtic again. The board trusted him to go and buy the right players. Um, he knew Lennon, he trusted Lennon, so he came in. You mentioned other guys like your likes so, are certain Hearts, and Thompson no likes, but he actually even managed to bring in players that you thought were not particularly great. They weren't fitting at Celtic. Did he have a gap? You're thinking he was just a, a, a runner um, getting up and down, but a gap was superb for him. He, he knew he, he could trust them. Um, even like guys like Mo Silla contributed an extent and stuff like that as well um, and then he brought in quality like likes of O'Haren, who had a difficult first season remember O'Hara a lot of people kind of wrote him off but went on to be a really good defender Um yeah there were guys like what Raman Vega coming from Spurs but you knew the system you knew the system that O'Neill would use but folks struggled to beat it you just didn't even though you knew it, you knew it was coming you couldn't cope with it a lot of time.
0: It wasn't as swashbuckling as the Brendan Rodgers era in terms of football, but it was close to it. And the big thing that O'Neill had um, over Brendan Rodgers every day of the week is European football. At home, Celtic were just undeniably fantastic. Um, away from home, they were undeniably terrible um, but I suppose it kind of evens itself out in the Champions League, that sense. But the UEFA Cup run was sensational. I never thought a team at my generation again would get to that stage. And obviously Rangers followed up a few years later. But that first time, you, you know, I, I had more kind of visions of Celtic winning that than I did Rangers when they played Zen. I think I still remember to this day, you know, I think Victor Bayer still rolling about uh, wherever he is. Um, Aye. And, Larson, by that stage, became a world-class player. Um, it, 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 again, it, 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 the, the kind of same traits seem to pop up. And I think it's loyalty and dealing with players uh, for Batman. is a, a huge thing. I think if you gave your role and you were loyal to him, he'd be loyal to you. And players like Neil Lennon, Paul Lambert, uh, Henrik Larson... Petrov. J- Petrov just gave everything, absolutely everything for him.
1: Yeah, I mean, they were were really hard to break down, because you had your back three, but then you had Lambert and Lennon in front protecting, so there was no way at all you were getting through the middle.
0: Yeah, and then you had Alan Thompson providing absolutely sensational balls into the likes of Sutton, Hartz and Larson, who were all terrific in the air, and would just bully defences.
1: Yeah, and we've spoken about it before, obviously you had the partnership of Sutton and Larson, but then Hartson came in and then you had Sutton playing at centre-back or playing in midfield. And if anything, it made them even stronger. Um, certainly as a squad, but as a team, they just, aye, they were superb. I always remember the, the Liverpool game in the UEFA Cup uh, run because it was at the same time as Cheltenham. And we I used to work for a, a bookies at the time. Um, and we had guys up from Liverpool and they were like, what? We'll, we'll beat them easily there's no way that Celtic will beat us and you were like, we were like okay interesting and they just could not see any way that, they, that Celtic would beat them and yeah, we know what came plus I won a decent bit of money at Cheltenham as well that week so that was uh, that was good so yeah it, it,
0: and it's kind of similar to Graham Souris I think totally over, over kind of underestimated sorry, Celtic that season I think Graham Souris not Blackburn would Celtic over easily and again he was proved wrong it's uh, out of the two cup runs that I could think of, the Rangers and the Celtic finals, that was the most romantic one. That was the kind of, probably the, the nearest Scottish team that came to actually winning the competition. Um, and it just put Celtic back on the map, both domestically, um, firmly back on the map domestically, and in Europe as well. So, Barton uh, Hill would be up there for me. Well, yeah, he he's definitely in the top five.
1: Do you think obviously, Stanley Celtic came to an end because he, he took the, the decision to get after his wife? And um, if he had stayed longer, what do you think he would have achieved?
0: Um, I, I, I honestly don't know. Um, looking looking at it, he was losing to Alex McClusher, and I think. I think for a lot of football managers there's, there's an arc and I think he was coming up to the, the end of that relationship, that end point of the arc anyway. I think that was just a... Although he had to unfortunately leave to look after his wife, I think that was a natural ending for both of them. Um, anyway, I, I don't see Bartley Neil being the best manager at um, transitioning a squad that he had um, yeah. to 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 do that, because as I say, loyalty is a big part of it, and I think he maybe been too loyal to his players. Um, so it's it, it's a hard one. It, nobody knows for sure, but I, I would think that that could have been a, a hard, hard task for him.
1: Yeah, yeah probably, because even if you look at the other clubs, he only really stayed for about five years or so, anyway. So he wasn't one for rebuilding a side. We we'll never know, anyway. But yeah, he's, he's definitely in the top five. Um, but he, I think as well maybe, like you talked about the style of football, you're kind of saying it's pretty good. I think at times people kind of are critical at times, uh, the way they I, set up. Um, I think
0: I think that's always, um, it's always easy to knock um, teams win when you're winning. Uh, I, I do remember Celtic fans at the time kind of being a bit, oh, that's about that, about the football. But see if you actually do look back at it. Um, I think it was a lot better than people give it credit for. Uh, maybe because Scottish football has been in a bit of a decline since. Um, as I said, it's, it's not as um, easy on the eye as the Brendan Rogers stuff, but it was probably more effective. Um, certainly, certainly Europe. The bigger games. Yeah.
1: Do you think then on the flip side the success of is underappreciated as a Celtic manager?
0: So, yeah, I totally forgot about Gordon Strachan until I started talking about Martin O'Neill. Yeah, I just think I don't know. I don't know the full ins and outs. I don't know if it was because of his Aberdeen uh, tenure. I don't know if it was because he had a wee bit less money to spend. I don't know if it's the kind of flippant remarks he would use at press conferences, um, or I just it just wasn't as good football. Or you know, I. It's a hard one to kind of put your kind of finger on because um, he had some fantastic results, got some um, trophies, sustained the success, changed mm-hmm. the squad to, to to a large degree. Oh, um,
1: well, five for last 16 as well, Champions League.
0: Yep. Um, it's 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 not an easy. It's a bit like you know we're talking about Griezmann. It's not really an easy thing to put a figure out, it just seems a bit, um, I don't know, a bit dull in comparison to some of the other names that we've talked about. Um, even, you know, transfer business, I don't think he was as backed, although you, you had some good ones, you had Shinsuke Nakamura, you had, um, had Vanegur of Hesselink, you know they you know, you did back him, but um, I don't know, <laughs> the other thing is, what you have to kind of remember, um, is that he took on Celtic on the, not just on the back of the Martin O'Neill era, but the Henrik Larson era. And that was always going to be a struggle, I think, as well.
1: Yeah, definitely. I just thought it was worth mentioning because uh, oh, I was, was a bit underappreciated at Celtic. Um, so, well, other eyes that
0: have been mentioned, uh, if you look, Jim Jeffries. Yeah, of I, was think, mentioned him. I was thinking He's about Jim Jeffries. Um uh, and not just Hearts, I think he did well at Falkirk before that. Yeah, yeah. Bringing um, David Weir, um, players like that, Stevie Fulton, uh, Falkirk as well, if I remember correctly. Um, very efficient Hearts manager the first time round. Um, really, I mean, I think the side of a good team is when you can remember a lot of the players. You know, and you're, you're Gilles Roussey, Colin Cameron, Neil McCann. Um, you've Stephen Adam, um, players like that, you know, they ended, they put the final nail on the Walter Smith, first nine in a row, Rangers coffin, um, with a Scottish Cup victory, um, Alan Johnston just popped into my head, Paul Rich as well, uh, but it's, it, it was a, a, an exciting, the Hearts team to watch, you know, I would watch a Hearts game... Uh, under Jim Jeffries, no problem at all. It didn't have to be against either Rangers or Celtic. Uh, it was just a pleasure to actually watch Hearts with two wingers. I always love teams that play with two wingers, and you know they had two really good wide players. Aye, definitely.
1: he's definitely something that is if you talk about outside uh, maybe the traditional top two teams,
0: then, then there was a few
1: guys and two or three people uh, mentioned him.
0: They, they never, the other thing I'll say about Jim Jeffrey's hearts team is that they never gave Rangers or Celtic too much respect. They would always try and attack them, and I always appreciated that as well. Yeah.
1: Um, I don't know if there's anyone else at Hearts. George Wally, and who knows what George Wally could have done. If, uh,
0: if it was just managers that managed well for six months, then... Uh, John's probably making there, but no, we, we don't we don't know, and, and I kind of guess um, he wouldn't have done well after that one season. Um, just going by his CV and what happened to him at Ipswich and what happened to him afterwards, uh, and, and uh, at the club management, uh, I think he's a kind of manager. He seems to be the manager who gets a lot of good results early on, and then it kind of dis disappears um as quickly as they kind of arrive yeah. i'd actually say um, if we're talking about hearts managers paulo Sergio is the one that kind of steps stands out for me in
1: okay. terms of someone else that might be deserving of mention shirley care
0: yeah um tremendous uh, you can't overlook her achievements um with the national team get them to the Euros and to the World Cup. Um, I, you should draw at as well. Yeah, and I, I think... In the men's game. I think the one thing that will kind of hold, um, people will hold judgment on Shelley Caron is the, the World Cup, the actual World Cup itself. I think she got. She seemed to get a few th- oh, As an outsider looking in, she seemed to get a few things wrong um, and didn't handle the squad or the team particularly well um, tactically at times. And I think personality-wise, I think she's already come out and said that there's a few things that she could have changed. And I think that kind of thing, you know, if you objectively look at it, it's great getting to these things. But then she kind of made a Big mistake at at, at that time.
1: Yeah. Um, Now, I promise the next person that I'm going to mention is not me that suggested him. I I I did did, did think about it. I I did see
0: something on Twitter mention this person.
1: Yeah, so Football Bag, uh, who's a keen follower of all levels of football in Scotland, um, mentioned Tommy Sloan. And if you were to look at a record in terms of trophies won and what he's achieved at Talbot, it's remarkable. Uh, I've also been lucky enough to to marry into it in terms of my life and family life from Ock and and it's just success. You're just used to it. Um it's what I suppose it's only a bit what I can imagine it must be like in the professional game being a fan of like Windows or Celtic, whereby just the the village and the fans expect success. They're used to it for the last what say almost forty years. Um go back to when Blay Knox was there as well, but yeah, tremendous record. Leagues won seven leagues. Junior Cups seven junior Cups in the period I've been lucky enough to see six of them. Um, so, with regards to that, tremendous. And then all the other Cups won as well. Gets the best out of players obviously as well when they we played the likes of Aaron Cove that came to the attention as well in the media whereby I think maybe before the the junior game at the time would been disrespected a wee bit in terms of the level and the quality, but with no one doubt that there's players there that could do better than the level we're playing at.
0: See, I've got to kind of, people might think I'm going to contradict myself here um, because I'm going to say that he's definitely in and about for me. And people might say, oh, but you're talking about um, maybe Dick Campbell not getting to that top league and sustaining success in the top league and things like that. But I think if we actually look at it objectively, and Tommy Sloan has done that. That is the top league for Auchinlech and,
1: yeah.
0: and he has sustained that over a great amount of time. Anything that I've seen Auchinlech Talbot play, they have never I've never watched and thought this is junior football. I've thought this is a professional year of football. Um, and that's so
1: professionally off the park as well, that's the thing. Yeah,
0: up, that, so and you for you, it. You, um, you could you could see that. Um and a big, you know that's that's to go with the opposition as well. That I've seen that they've been um fantastic as well. Um, a, a lot of junior teams can probably claim that they they are um more professional than amateur in some in some aspects. Um, but I could you're know, I've seen Ock and play. Um I, I would think that they would struggle in league two or even league one. I don't think they would Probably, I don't think they were struggling in that kind of environment either. Yeah,
1: I mean the interesting thing is now with the change in the West of Scotland set up, much as I wouldn't say you not play that season. Um, when it does get back going until we do decide to play, they are well equipped to move up the levels. Um, so I hopefully he's there for a long time still, um, winning trophies, doing well.
0: Yeah, I, 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 it's a fantastic achievement. As I say he he reached his glass ceiling um, because of the kind of system that they were in in the junior leagues and consistently kept them up there and that's why I would say that it's different between him and somebody like Dick Campbell yeah
1: Yeah, and he has had interest from um, the likes of maybe your league one league two teams as well but he's always decided to say Albert which is good Um, someone else who was quoted by Johnny G, uh, Craig Brown, which, yeah. if you consider what he achieved for Scotland, again, I think he's someone that only now probably is appreciated as to what he did. At the time, it was just like, Craig Brown, he's, he plays all the old players and they're not that great to watch, but then you look back and you actually what back when you qualify for tournaments. You have good players played decent football, actually, at the time. Maybe not as attractive as some of the other teams that were about at the time at the international level. Um, course of tournaments, which up to obviously what Steve Clark did we were struggling with
0: As you say, there's certain people who you don't kind of give full respect to until years after they've been and gone in that job and for the Scotland job, he's the best Scotland manager that has been in my generation Um, he had teams set out they're hard to beat first and foremost, and that's the best Scotland could do. Um, in my opinion, uh, with the players that we've got um in, in my generation. He scoured you know England and probably birth certificates and stuff like that, town halls, uh, but made the, the best decisions f- from doing that. Um, uh, very passionate and very respected um with his peers Aye. and international football. Um, and I think um did a, a decent job for both Motherwell and Aberdeen um, later on in his career uh, as well, I think. Um, it was kind of... A, I, I do feel as if he probably deserved more opportunities straight after the Scotland job than he was probably... wasn't just didn't seem to be afforded. Um, I know he still had a, a kind of role within the SFA, but... Um, he just seemed to players seem to understand him and his system and how to work things. Um and from anything I've heard of uh, and any interactions I've had with Craig Brown have always been good as well. So I can't you know I I was mainly thinking of club managers um, and he hadn't he hasn't really for all that he did okay at Motherwell and Aberdeen, he wasn't sensational either. Um but if we're talking about for adding international jobs and what he did, um, I'd say the only thing that kind of, um, and no fault of his own, slightly when well, I say no fault of his own, I still blame him for playing Leighton in the World Cup '98, but we never got to a second round, and that's always the kind of pitfall for any Scotland manager is reaching the next stage of a competition, uh, and I think we had two good. Ch- Chances at it at 96 and 98, and we're unlucky um, that England conceded that goal, because they're a bunch of bastards, but also... (laughs)
1: So you (laughs) made us some trouble this week?
0: Oh, I say that my grand's English. I don't have any problem with English people, but um, I do feel as though they could have won four 0 and not seen the goal. Uh, yeah, Dave, Dave Seaman always.
1: Dave Seaman always has a wee laugh about it, doesn't he? Uh, I don't think Dave Seaman's a bad guy, but he does always have a
0: wee laugh about it. No, nah, um, at ninety eight, Jim Layton shouldn't have been in goals, but it was probably a few players that were uh, maybe passed it by ninety eight. Um, but again, that, he was loyal. Him, wasn't it? Yeah, he was definitely loyal.
1: And he's a type of guy as well. Like you talked about his passion, you would chat to him. We've he heard, like, of like John's interviewed him. We've had a, a rough interview him. He'll just give his time because he'd like to talk about football. He could talk about football all day and tell great stories. So, yeah, great guy. Um, and I definitely best Scotland manager of our lifetime, hopefully. It went up not being the best of our lifetime because Steve Clark went up being more success, even more successful and we'll get to a, a knockout stages um, or even you never know. We can dare to dream. Um, but we talked uh, about
0: uh, I do think I think it might have been after the podcast, but we talked about um one particular Scotland team. It was Duncan Ferguson playing for Scotland uh, against Germany at Ibrooks. Yes. And they lost one 0 and I read out both teams to you. And so the Scotland team, so that I think the German team had Sammer and players like that, that elk. But the Scotland team, like, and this is no disrespect to these players because they obviously did very well and deserved it. But I think it kind of shows how good um, Craig Brown was at putting down a team that was hard to beat. That you had like Brian Irvin, Dave Bowman, um, you know, there was. I think there was only Tom Boyd maybe was the only Celtic player I can think of no Rangers players I don't think at the time Duncan Ferguson up front was uh, Dundee United so you know that was a a team that you know you'd think was just maybe a B team um, almost but they just came together uh, uh, for that kind of game I think Craig Levine was captain Uh, did you
1: mention Stephen Wright as well?
0: Stephen Wright yeah that's right because he's because he's He's on the podcast soon,
1: with we could John, the other John.
0: I had one I think that was his one of two caps, uh, Stephen Wright. Um it's just I'm very unfortunate with injuries. I thought it was a great right back. But it just shows you yeah, that the kind of um Craig Brown could still bring out a team like that and make them hard to beat.
1: Ah, you, always, you always you never have a thought under Craig Brown that we would get beat. You thought we always had a chance, it wasn't against the big teams, which which says a lot. Uh, but I'm trying to think if there's any other names that were quoted or mentioned by any of the, the listeners um, Barry McKiss. no he wasn't mentioned no um, I'm trying to see
0: Bobby Williamson oh Andy
1: Rochborough was mentioned but again because I've worked at the at the Arsenal level, level um, kind of paved the way a bit for Brown he was mentioned aside from that
0: I would kind of like to no, kind of it. wee wee hat tips to kind of Bobby Robson uh, Bobby Robson <laughs> Bobby Robson? who <laughs> What's the who thing? What's uh, Bobby Williamson, sorry um,
1: Oh Bob Wilmson
0: aye Kabarnock. Um and then you know to go to places like Uganda and manage and things like that he's, he's not taking uh, the easiest routes uh, for football management Um Jim Leishman, I always like Jim Leishman, I think he's did well at various clubs, Um, so you know, these sort of managers as well.
1: Aye, there's there's other guys
0: in Delta as well we could probably talk about, but we just maybe If we're talking about kind of Cup successes as well, Jimmy Nicol, that Rafe Rovers team. Uh, Yeah, that's good. Uh, but yeah
1: no McInnes was, was not mentioned but we will maybe talk about McInnes I'm trying to think whether no we did talk about him a couple of weeks ago three few weeks back he did ask me the corrections um, I think more so the way things are going now it, it might change whether maybe there might be a partner in the summer but he has been back now by the chairman which is maybe a dangerous position I think once you're back by the chairman that usually means that um, your, your time's up pretty soon but we'll see um I was fortunate enough not to to see the game on Saturday. I decided not to watch it. Um, and I think that's the problem now is that if a lot of people are maybe thinking about not watching the games on the pay-per-view and different things like that, we're at a time now whereby the Clubs will be looking for season ticket money again. Um, will fans be as willing to part with the money knowing that there's still a possibility in that year, that season you might not be able to get to games for a fair while? That's where the the problem lies because you can say it's going to cost X amount to to get rid of the management team, but that's also the, the factor of well if you've not got money coming in, it could end up you're actually
0: financially worse off. Um, and what happened? We'll see. Uh, if I if I take it back to the kind of Carlo Ancelotti arc of football management, I would suggest that this is entering breakup stage for Derek Ricketts in Aberdeen. I think both Aberdeen and Celtic are probably going to do the same thing. I think they're going to keep their managers until the end of the season and then be looking for a new manager just now. I think it's all kind of... I think they possibly have already said to both managers, Neil Lennon and Derek McInnes, listen, this is going to be... You're getting to the end of the season, but we are now actively looking to replace you. Um, And I think, you know... I think it's a kind of natural end for all parties in that aspect. I think it's a, a kind of, I think once once you lose the fans, and I think I've seen that more and more with dan McInnes and uh, the weekend with the fans, uh, I think it's there's a tipping point where fans, there'll be, there'll be always a kind of two and a four for, for the manager, I think there's a tipping point when it becomes more obvious that the fans are vocal against you. I think we've hit that tipping point. And I think, you know, I would hope... What I would like to think from the future um, when it comes to managing teams in Scotland, I hope that most Scottish teams start to learn that we have to look at maybe a different model in terms of how our clubs are run. And it has to be kind of via... um, traditional system in terms of how you want to play and then you have a sporting director or a director of football coming in and buying players for that system and then you've got head coaches who, because there's no point bringing in a manager these days and then you change because a manager essentially back in let's talk about Jim McLean's days a manager in those days could manage for 10-15 years Certainly yeah. get four or five seasons. So it made sense for them to pick the players that they wanted because they would have that, those players for a, a long-term project. But if you're getting a manager and these days they get, what, under three years on average at a club, yeah, then what, what you're yeah. going to do is what we're seeing is that these managers come in, there's an overhaul of this whole entire squad, and then it starts again. And I, I don't think Scottish football can sustain that. And I think that's why we have to kind of maybe look at a different way of doing things. But I do think um, both Neil Lennon and Derek McIntyre, it does seem as if they've hit that break-up stage uh, in the yeah. kind of management arc.
1: It's reminiscent of the Caldwell era. Caldwell did well Aberdeen, but then it just got to a point whereby things weren't working out. And when the fans do change their opinions and it the sour, If fans were in grounds just now, I think the decision maybe would already be easier to make yeah. um, I, I like I, you, you see criticism of him and there will always be the argument of what could we achieve or where would we be if we didn't take over or vice versa there's a flip side argument um, but he has done well he, he's done I think he has done well
0: let's, um, yes, see, he potentially honest. could have won
1: more trophies but he's, he's been pretty consistent over that
0: 8 years See, to be honest, it's a yeah. risky strategy to get rid of them in the terms of, for Aberdeen fans, you don't know what you're going to get next. Uh, and that's, yeah, that, you that's never do at all. You never but, do
1: when you get a new but, manager.
0: But exactly. That. But I think and I think that's what the situation has come to, that they want to find out what's next. And it doesn't matter if it's necessarily not as good. They want to see something fresh, see something different. Um It's getting a bit stale and as you rightly said earlier, um, it is getting to the stage where season tickets are getting talked to. And that's why I think probably more so Celtics, possibly Aberdeen, will announce that these changes are going to be happening at the end of the season.
1: Will you talk talk about the, the change maybe in terms of structure in Scotland? That's interesting because we did. Aberdeen did talk about how it was going to be a, a more attacking team this year, and that was a philosophy and different things like that. We did see it for a spell, um, and I think it has been slightly unlucky with injuries. But we did have a pretty big score, so we could have still been playing decent football. Um, it's just the it's problem. Just the, problem is, the problem is the problem is the fact th- that Celtic th- haven't been doing well. Has highlighted it more because if we had been a bit more up to speed, potentially, we could have been competing for second place, uh, which, up to a a month ago, you would have said, I'd be, within my chance, uh, mm. but, now, the- you're thinking, are we even going to finish third, are we even going to finish fourth, and, and that's a problem, because it is a big season, in terms of, European football, in that season, because the likelihood is now, I think the Scottish Cup, will not get played, to finish their season, I can't no. see it.
0: I think, it kind of, as you say, it makes my point a bit clearer um, in terms of Aberdeen because it should be up to the club and how they play. It should be kind of tradition um, almost. Um, and then you have every kind of youth system playing that same kind of football. But where you've got it just directly on a manager, then if things go wrong, they revert to type and that's what McInnes has done. If things struggle, it reverts back to type. And I'm okay, I, you know, I, I like a manager who's got a plan B and a plan C, but you can't quite, you 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 have to go with plan A more often than not. And I think if plan A was attacking football, I think then McInnes was reverted to type once that starts kind of doing too much.
1: Aye, there is that. The reverted type would probably be right in terms of saying maybe for the last few years, but initially when McInnes took over, Aberdeen played terrific football for about, I would say, three seasons um, but the players we had then as well were have a, a pretty good standard as well. Um, but yeah, looking at maybe the last few years, it's not been as attractive and yeah, folk have just got fed up. It's the balance of playing attractive, nice football, and being competitive and winning stuff. What, what do you what do you go for? Because fans are happy enough if you can win trophies and not play particularly well attractive. It's forgotten about how stylish you play, I think, as well. So.
0: But, yeah, right, but that's so. So that's what the, but that has to be the kind of template for the football club in terms of if if, if you want results and you want you, you don't want really to get results this way, then that's fine. But if you want to track the football, then that kind of gets set out early doors for whatever manager stroke head coach takes over. I think sometimes there's not these. um I don't think these uh, templates are set out beforehand enough. Yeah. Uh,
1: but I, I still say my guy to take over is Jim Goodwin maybe other fans would not agree I think we'd want maybe someone a, a bigger, so-called bigger name um, the thing that against done now I think has made the Aberdeen more attractive than what it was when he first came in um, yep. it'll be interesting to see if he is to go what type of candidates will be interested in the role
0: it's, uh, but uh, he is still on the job
1: just now so uh,
0: yeah you'd have to wait and see once he's definitely out who's available Jim Goodwin, I can see um, the advantages of that. um, Off the top of my head, nobody else is really jumping out at me. Um,
1: Well, we did say before we went on air tonight, we were going to talk about current managers very briefly and say good, bad. So, start at the top, Gerard, obviously... It's all going well, so there's much more needed
0: to say just now. He's I, only thing, the best. only thing I'll say, thing I'll say uh, quickly on Gerald is it kind of shows you that you can leave and if you're going to bring in an experienced uh, experience manager, then you have to give them time to learn from their mistakes and to um, get what they want from the job. And I think Rangers probably deserve credit for not um, jumping the gun and sacking Gerrard and other people were kind of probably more Celtic fans um, were kind of suggesting that he wasn't very good than all the rest of it um, so I, I think that that deserves a mention but yeah um, at, at the moment to have not lost uh, a league game is still a remarkable achievement Aye so potentially when they might have a good Celtic the other season Rangers might
1: still uh, win the league anyway so Move on. Liam, we've discussed enough this season. There's no point in discussing any further just now. Yeah. Um, Jack Ross, um, at the moment he's sh- shrewd in the transfer market. Done pretty well, obviously. The Jackson Oven, yeah, and thin. He- he's making the squad stronger, and uh, even as well. I like the way that he's using Boyle as well just now. Um, and he's been clever enough when there's been a uh, Porteous where there was a transfer speculation to go right, okay, let's take a wee bit of time out. You can sit in the bench. Um. And- going until you're back in. I think we had talked to briefly before about maybe it's a bit similar to when McInnes took over Aberdeen, but yeah, no, I think Jack Ross is is good. He's uh,
0: built, he's built a, a good, capable squad. I think people might still say, uh, are they good enough in the bigger games? Um, or consistent enough um, sometimes? But. You can say that about a whole, at least you're more consistent than the other teams um, and something, a good foundation to build on. Yeah.
1: Um, Martindale lost his first game as manager, crisis, exactly. Definitely not. Um, even himself, he says, Wait, We've lost, we've lost before, before I take over, move on, let's go again. He's won back to back manager of a month. This time he's keeping it, he's not watching it this time, which he did last time, he's keeping it this time. So far, yeah, management's easy.
0: Yeah, it's uh, pff, the, the change in Livingston has been phenomenal. Um says all the right things, and that's obviously to the players as well as the press and the fans. Uh, and sometimes, you know, I think maybe he's a bit relieved that they've lost in a way, because it kind of takes a wee bit of pressure off, um, and it can maybe kind of re motivate the players and things like that. And maybe it's a, a nice wee reminder before the cup final that, you know, that they aren't all perfect. Um but yeah, he's he's been tremendous so far for Longston.
1: Yeah. Um I, I do feel it's quite bad though that only it's only an excuse to finished now because I think you'd be a perfect character <laughs> um to do. Yeah. Yeah, he, I, the, I like him I like the way he talks as well I just think he's brilliant he, he's refreshing um, Goodwin obviously I've touched on Eddie I think Goodwin's terrific I think he's going to go places I think he'll do well really well he's, he's a natural leader um, yeah. he's the type of guy I think you'd want to play for you, I think you would know exactly where you stand um, and I think he, he is making something better he, he's got them progressing all the time nicely um, <laughs> obviously they're sitting in the top sits just now um,
0: and they, they play I'm they play looking the cup as well about... I think they play ambitious, attractive football as well, and it's not just a case of sitting back, uh, so I've I've been um, saying all season, that I've enjoyed watching St Mirren play more because of their organisation, and they kind of tried to get quick attacks building. Yeah, I, I used
1: to get slighted for when I was in, like I think it was last season, the season of I think, oh, St Mirren, they'll go down, they'll go down, and I was like, no, St Mirren will be fine, they'll definitely be fine, everyone else was like, no chance, no chance, but... Yeah, they're doing well. Tony Fitzpatrick Patchy gives no looking that daft now. Oh, exactly.
0: Yeah. It's Champions League football uh,
1: soon for St. Miren. I, I mean, obviously we've talked about Love earlier because they're in fifth in they run that you've been on. St. Miren are only what, seven points behind with two games in the hand. Yeah. I think Lovey will still finish higher than St. Mirren. I, mean, I think Lovey will potentially finish higher than where they are just now. Um, but I think the job that Goodwin has done at St. Mirren has been almost um not dismissed completely, but I don't think it's been spoken about enough
0: I just, I just don't um, see um St Mirren probably going on the run that Livingston have just been on and that's maybe the kind of the uh, telling partly to to in terms of how they finish. I don't know. I don't
1: know. We'll see. But they're they're definitely doing a good job. Um, Dundee United Mickey Mellon Tony hates Dundee United he doesn't like Mickey Mellon well, that's um, why he's not been going on to back next week. Yeah, that's why he's not yeah. been on the
0: um, although it's funny um, how he doesn't come on when they've been in a, kind of, the worst run of the season because you know, I would have thought he'd been chomping at the bit to tell me that they're going down and they're, they're this that and the next thing I
1: think he's just by this time he's just waiting um,
0: to see what happens but yeah he should be back we've
1: spoken about ourselves we, we Dundee United, their main job this year was first of all stay in the league. They look like I think they're already safe. I would
0: yeah, say. I'd say.
1: Um, maybe uh, I mean, it, like just a guarantee. It was a big win but, for them
0: the weekend uh, to get. You know that was eight games without a win, so I think to get that win again just to kind of remember how it feels to pick up three points. Uh, it was good to see. Um, Shankland scoring, uh, but I think yeah. Mickey Mellon again. He gets a, he's built a team that are kind of know what they're doing in, in and in a great part kind of and they're disciplined um, on the most part as well. So,
1: and they've got a chance at top sets maybe. Um,
0: we'll yes, yeah, they seventh in the league.
1: We um, won. Callum Davidson first job as a manager. He's got a cup final. He's beaten
0: the invincibles
1: of Livingston.
0: Going Yeah, and the it was it was a tough job because it was always gonna be hard to replace Tommy Wright. Uh, you had to I think Sir Johnson wanted a specific change in the way that the team were built, um a bit more youth and maybe a bit more kind of attacking football, a bit more possession. And i think slowly but surely it's style coming out and falling into place and I've been really impressed the last few weeks. And they always did look yeah. they always did look um an organised team, it's just the chances weren't falling for them, they weren't taking them and things like that. So, yeah, I think Callum Davids has done a terrific job so far.
1: Definitely. Early days are his other well for Alexander, but I think he will be a good fit there. Um, Yeah, I think... he get his own players in. I I think they'll be a different proposition that season.
0: Yeah, I said to you last week, I think it was that this was all about consolidation, staying in the league, and then we'll see his kind of um, imprint on the squad next season onwards. Yeah, we spoke about Monaco already, so no need to talk about that.
1: Ross County, they initially had a bounce where Hughes coming in and doing pretty well. It's now a bit kind of inconsistent in terms of what's happening.
0: I think, to be honest, it was always going to happen. You, 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 You... Unless you're him, Martindale, at Livingston, um, there's a reason why you're, you're in the position that you're in. Um, what the one thing I will say about John Hughes, I think he spoke a lot of sense in his last press conference I heard, where he was talking about you know they did make chances that there was a lot of positives that they can take from losing to Dundee United. As uh, it strange as it sounds. And he's just reinforcing that in the players and not talking about the negatives. I think that's what you've got to do in that position. There's no point dwelling on the, the kind of aspects of, of the game. Um we'll, we'll all do that. You know, I'll say the first goal the defenders dived in and Shankland was a terrible decision and things like that, and they'll make work in defensive organization um in between now and the next game. But I think it's important that you pick up on the positives and you try and motivate your players that way. I, I don't think a manager has to hammer his players every time they, they make a mistake or lose a game.
1: Definitely, and that's what John Hughes. That's his strength, I think. He focuses on the positives. Uh, Brian Rice, I mean, Hamilton, are always predicted to go down by everybody. They've got the lost budget. Probably in the league, they must have the lost budget. And yet in the moment, what are they, three points behind, two games in hand, you still wouldn't be surprised if my escape?
0: Even even if they don't, I think they've still played really decent football with stages this season. They've given themselves all the chance in the world to survive. Um I think as you say the, the budget's not the same there that it is at other clubs, and Brian Race has acted admirably. Uh, when he's had um, hardships thrown upon him. Um, I, I, I think it might just be a season too many for Hamilton in the top flight, but it wouldn't surprise me if they did get relegated, that they were fighting and jumping to get back in this season afterwards. I think there there is um, reason to be optimistic about for, for Hamilton. It's just maybe they haven't got enough about them this season.
1: Yeah, now... Um, we're not going to talk about Miles and our leagues just now maybe that's one for another time but we do have the lower league productions game a couple of weeks ago Charlie and Myers gets back he'd got a point but yeah we get a weekend, so Ali's now 8-4 up um, and I believe I think it needs to be me that um, tries to get a point this week so and there's only four games in Saturday so if I'm picking the productions you can pick 50 games All
0: right, so give me two seconds will So Wraith irregulated. Right, okay.
1: Wraith versus air.
0: Um let
1: me see. Hmm. Right, I'll go for Wraith to win two
0: one. Then I'm gonna go with
1: Aloha Athletic versus
0: Arbroath. Oh tremendous. Right, so Aloha Arbroath.
1: Aloha at home. We've oh, got a couple of wins at home. Arbroth's away record has been pretty poor. They've only won one away from home.
0: I'm gonna go for a one all draw, sit in the fence with that one. And then I'm gonna pick third versus fourth, Dunfermline Athletic versus Dundee.
1: Right, okay. So, overall at the moment, I would say Dundee are in better form than what Dunfermline are. They've had a few wins recently, whereas Dunfermline have only had maybe one, one in the last six or seven games. So, but Dundee's away record in terms of wins has been pretty poor. So I'm coming to sit the fence again with this one. But I will go Desmond 2-2. Two, two.
0: Yes, Ars oh, must be a bit sore with all those uh, skilfs.
1: I'm pretty sure you would have predicted similar to myself here, to be honest. Um, I don't think it would have been too different.
0: Uh, no, not really.
1: So you'd, you'd have enjoyed me on that fence. The only thing <laughs> is Dunfermonds' home record has been tremendous in terms of wins. But Dundee are coming in a bit of form, I feel. And I think they I'm trying to remember, they made uh, they made some decent signings, I think, later on in the, the January transfer window as well. I'm trying to think who it was i seen that they'd signed. There was a, that's a good signing. It,
0: There was one really good signing, and I can't now remember.
1: <laughs> don't, don't feel so <laughs> bad, then, that you forgot that you can remember as well, but they... Oh. Right, yeah, I've no drop, i no, no dropped an F for a while, but fuck's sake.
0: Um, <laughs> right. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be one of those that we definitely should have Cummings. Yes.
1: Actually yes. it was. Yes. Um, the
0: joker see,
1: of uh, the pack. Aye. Um, but he, well, he's got a good, good track record in terms of before we're in the, the championship in terms of getting promoted so did well. But yeah, so 2-1 Wraith, 1-0, I'll allow our growth fell in the D, 2-2. Two, two. Yeah, that's what we'll go with. Um, And we'll see what Arlie comes up with. And I think, oh, it's not a rap. We were talking about crisps the other week, and the best crisps. And (laughs) I read an article the other day to say roast beef bannigans are no more. The are
0: finished.
1: No, finished. Because selling as well because there was only roast beef and mustard and was it gammon and pickle or something like that. Um, roast beef and mustard.
0: Yeah, gammon and. Aye, uh, I think maybe the end was the
1: end was nine. Once that we started selling them for in home bargains for a pound for such bags, because you used to pay about seventy five pence just for one bag of them. Um, so that's probably. That
0: there was that's the a point. very nice uh, potato snack uh, you used to get in home bargains called wisps. You ever see them? Yeah, uh, no. I think that's what. what? what they're, so I think that's what they're called. So they did. Um,
1: I kind of Texas... I don't... It wasn't barbecue, It's was something else. No, I don't... Um, you try to get me to buy honey barbecue crisps, I think, or something like that. No, I'm not sweet with savoury. Um, I, I thought someone would have taken them over, though, Granigans, they, they were premium crisps. Sad, sad, a sad end to them. They were, they were
0: certainly the most yeah. flavoursome crisps. Um, oh, so yeah, yeah. um uh, something is... could just be
1: like rebrand the two flavours, just take over. Surely so somebody, like if anyone's listened to this from like Walkers or Golden Wonder or Smiths or whatever, make them get the recipe, make them. Do, there was another
0: good brand. crisp. There was another really good crisp uh, that used to get Marks and Spencers. And it was baked potato flavoured crisps. Potato.
1: I do like Chriswell and S and try and what the, my current favourites would be from there. I like the tortilla that they do. The tortilla chips are rather good. Um, and I have got a packet recently. Beef Wellington, which are pretty good. No,
0: it's right, okay. And the honey, Fancy. the honey
1: roast ham, crisps are good. The honey roast ham ones are very good. Yeah. yeah um But um, that. So, but yeah, I thought I was sad news when I read about Branigans.
0: Yeah, it's a kind of childhood... I think part of the problem was you couldn't get them everywhere. Um, yes. These Wisps that I'm talking about, they were done by Tato, which I think is the Irish oh, Tato, first, the Irish company, isn't it? Irish uh, version of Walkers or something. Uh, I'm trying to see what the flavours were, because there was two distinct flavours. not so ones I recall seeing. There was ones that I used to get... Is it H- Texan Grill. H M. and
1: <laughs> m H&M. B&M. Uh, something like Carabo crumble, or something like that they were like a spiral a bit kind of coned kind of crisps they were really good but I'm not saying them for edges
0: Texan uh, grill and French onion flavours they were the two flavours yeah
1: uh,
0: right, okay we will see but if we're talking uh, if we're talking snacks then the things that I remember were abroad, when we were going abroad Mikado's you ever had them Macados, no. So they're like we wee. i before
1: about that, and I said about the ruffles that they are the best.
0: That's <laughs> proven. So, well, I'm talking about snacks. I'm not talking about crisps or These are like wee Japanese or sticks with chocolate on them.
1: Oh, ah, yeah. See, i have not a sweet tooth. You get them here, Mikados.
0: I know, but you you you're not used to, right? It's used to only be in France. I got it. Now you get them here. Oh, you spent France. And then there oh, was uh, yeah. pepperamis, right? Now, I know I've always had pepperamis, but these were like pizza pepperamis. I think they've done oh, them here good. on occasion, right? So, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to describe this now, um, I and mean, this might not be the greatest thought. Of I like Cabernossi.
1: Cabernossi is premium meat snack, delicious. And actually M&S do ones just now as a stick or something like that from Hungary.
0: Right. They are very good as well. Right, so the pepperami pizza essentially was a kind of flat roll of pepperami. So it was more uh, wider than your normal kind of pepperami. Then cheese and tomato sauce inside a roll, basically. That's the shape of a pizza. It's, and, uh, it's lucky oh,
1: that this is ten to eleven, and I have I could that earlier. I'm I've I'm, I'm got. Pringles spied at me just now because I got an advent calendar of Pringles
0: well I had a roast dinner of the day. I had a roast dinner with all the kind of leftovers so I might just start getting into the, the ham again
1: a roast dinner on a Tuesday
0: the wife's back to work tomorrow so she wanted to have a roast oh. dinner so it was so oh, something
1: we to it. Tell you. so I might be out later on then to ask when folk are listening to the podcast what is their snack of choice tell us about that
0: but yeah, if you're talking,
1: when I went to meat snacks, uh, and if you're if going back to crisps, and
0: um, I mean you can't really. have oh, had crisps.
1: crisps. You can't really go
0: against way. a WhatsApp.
1: <laughs> I bet
0: really you end up with uh, horrible fingers. you yeah,
1: have probably, that's horrible. That's you're probably got horrible fingers at the best of times. Let's face it. I'm sure that you. I've got lot more clean fingers actually. You know, um, so on that note, I think we'll we'll finish because we don't want to hear any more chat about my fingers or anyone else's fingers for that matter unless it's a goalie making a great save so Julian Scott cheers thank you <laughs>